The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material. I was about to say created material. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. And a, a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And I'm the kid adjacent. You're the kid adjacent. Um, adjacent to the Jason? Yes. Yeah. Add Jason. Add Jason. Yeah, that works. I'm good with so that. Many we'll, we'll leave it there. So happy so good. right now. This episode number 272, I think. I just looked it up, and now it's been 60 seconds, so I don't remember anymore. 72 <laughs> is one of my favorite numbers. Excellent. It's not prime. Uh, no, it sucks. <laughs> most, most even numbers are not prime. <laughs> most even I can numbers. only think of one even number that is prime. That makes sense. Assuming zero, zero is, I don't think zero is prime. Zero, zero is counts. neither even nor prime. Right. That's true. You can divide it by two. No. <laughs> you can divide it by everything. You can dance if you and want to. nothing. And yet if you divide anything by it, you end up in another universe. It's crazy, I'm telling you. And that's how Level Up was created. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do some getting into that. We're gonna do some getting into that. We uh, in we had, more than one way. We had one uh, one uh, two sessions of a game that uh, no more than kid two. ran that uh, we we played with those rules a little bit, and then we had you know a break for about like five years. six months. Um, yeah, a while. I, I'm sure nobody months. who no. listens to this like podcast has noticed that we've had problems getting together to do getting, anything. Getting shit done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like there's people who listen to this podcast. Hey, now. I love both of you. I really do. Thank you for listening. And he means I that. Bet he. <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite as bad as the other show. I am. Um, where, we, where we know we only have one listener. Or we only know of one listener. If right you're there. hearing this Aww. now, we're your number one fan. We still have a Discord. We're your number one fan. Uh, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Legacy. The, the idea that our characters can... <sighs> So the the typical drives in a game are very character oriented. You know, in in standard D and D adventures, there's an assumption that the uh, typical drives come down to basic risk reward. You are uh, moving towards creating a volume of wealth, a volume of prestige, what have you. You know, um, ad- advancing your character's abilities. And for the purposes of gameplay, a lot of times it's that ladder that really drives the players. But the characters can be a different story. And, of course, um, part of the premise of uh, the immersive play phenomenon is that we're trying to realize characters as genuinely as possible. So I like having some sort of understanding of what they're looking for, what they want to uh, achieve. But specifically, I want to talk today a little bit about the things you can achieve that affect the game world in some significant way. Some sort of legacy, be that a simple thing as a an event or something that is um, attributable to your character that is remembered or recognized by other people or feared by other people in the game world, or something profound like saving a kingdom, saving a world, saving you know, or Private Ryan. You know, being involved in. <laughs> it's, <No. laughs> it's it's definitely. Uh, a dynamic of um, of creating a bond between the players and the characters and the setting that um, I don't think should be overlooked. You have opportunities in game to explore that. And fantasy games immediately come to mind because it's always the most valuable. But there's definitely um, 
you know, in other genres and other settings where you can have similar premises uh, play out. Anytime the characters have some sort of noticeable effect on their setting, you've created uh, some sort of legacy effect, a, a legacy event. Like the great baby boom of Gate Pass? Like the great, the exact, or uh, uh, no, it wasn't Gate Pass, it was huh? in um, Sequin. Sequin, that's yep. right. Yep. The baby boom of Sequin yep. after the marriage. After all those. All, after all those marriages. <sighs> After the night of love. Yeah, all good stuff. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. So um, I got something today. I want to read you guys a passage from it. Uh, today, uh, this weekend dropped the uh, a brand new Adventures in Zeitgeist book from Ian Publishing. Yeah, for the love it up. On uh, page 176 and 177, in the discussion on the city district in um uh, re, uh name of city flint of uh, bosun strand many ah. many of the district's middle class business owners all hail from the same school 21 years ago when a mechanical colossus tromped through the city its steps leveled homes and started fires that killed thousands in the wake of that destruction a gnome woman named phlox mimsy bribsy thistle constructed an orphanage campus filled with brick-faced buildings their halls brimmed with light-hearted gadgetry, and its roofs were topped with fanciful gardens meant to raise the spirits of hundreds of children who had no family to return to. Today, the Flock School has expanded around the country a model of tender and joyous education that produces graduates renowned for empathy and ingenuity. I Holy have shit. goosebumps. <laughs> That's My character awesome. got hired by her. I woke Jonica up first thing this morning to read that to her, and she flipped the fuck out. <laughs> That's amazing. And then I emailed Ryan and told I was him say, how cool was that. Yeah. Calling Ryan at six o'clock in the morning is probably not a good idea. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> that seemed a little unnecessary, <laughs> even if that would have been like seven o'clock for him. Oh. No, it's the other way. Oh, no, it is that way. Okay. And yeah, so I, I thought that was cool. The first thing I did when I got it, just to see if he'd sneaked or snuck her in there somewhere, you know, was I did a search for the word flocks, F-L-O-X. That's so And cool. the, the name is in there and actually in boldface right there. That's also cool. The first time I think about flocks in like a year, the first thing I think of is, oh, she hired me. Well, mm-hmm. she hired my, her character, hired my character and got my character hooked up with the team. Right. At 13th level. Now, of course, there were a lot of people that played this campaign that this is built on. Uh-huh. A lot of different groups, and I know that he did some, you know, pull other it from other groups as well. Campaigns. Uh, you notice that there's no mention of her in connection with, say, the Royal Homeland Constabulary here, for example. That right. probably, if it's mentioned in here, which I haven't looked into it yet, is probably a tribute to some other PC or something. So I, I just thought it was really cool, though. I want to show you guys. That's that's awesome. That's the best kind of legacy right there. Right? <laughs> you do a thing that gets immortalized in uh, gaming literature. You literally affect the world of the gaming world. In some small way. The flock school. You'll dig it. Yeah, wow. and, and some of that that's is wild. based on um, what really happened in our campaign. Well, it, it's based on what really happened in our campaign, but it's not the actual way it went down. Yeah, history distorts the yeah, truth. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she did buy up property after the Colossus tromped through Boson Strand. She did have property she developed with the gardens on the roofs and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, it, she was also, I mean, it was, it was also kind of a side thing for her because, you know, she was uh, not a slumlord, I guess. But she <laughs> she was definitely a... Not a slumlord. Definitely not a slumlord. She was. Uh, she had other things going on in her life that uh, were profoundly affected the city in our campaign, of course. But 
Um, there you go. And she was advisor to the king. That was the thing. Yes, it was. What, was. Was she actually your your advisor? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He he, yeah. he listened to flocks more than he listened to anybody else. <laughs> I like and the way Brick put it. <laughs> even when she wasn't there, she was there. You could sometimes almost hear her voice yelling at him from two rooms away. <laughs> so he's the king, and she's was it? he's the king, and she's his boss. <laughs> it's a true story. We'd be playing. She'd be in the other room, and he. Go to make a decision, and you'd hear her in her flock's voice yell from the Even other Even though Jonica wasn't currently playing. Even though she wasn't currently <laughs> in that scenario playing with us that day. Yeah. Because I don't think Flox would like this idea. <laughs> it's like Flox <laughs> is here in my head. The, <laughs> the sad thing is, having met Flox, I can totally believe that that is canon. I love, I love oh, how you say having canon. met Flox. <laughs> uh, so... Before we get into anything too much here, I want to make sure and let people know that 1D4Con has um, moved entirely online this year. Yeah, straight virtual. Um, it's coming You're up. You're saying they've been digitized into the computer? <laughs> oh, my that, God. That was the last podcast, not this podcast. <laughs> talking about when we were talking about we yet still Tron. relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Exposition Street, a movie podcast from Prismatic Tsunami. Uh, worth Worth checking out, by the way. If you like Every movies, recently hit movie. episode 54. And if you don't like movies... And you know someone else who does like movies. I'm just saying. Tell them about it. If you like what we do with games and you know that they like movies, or if you like movies, watch it, listen to Exposition watch. Street. Just that stare was a, at the that icon. Was, that was too fucking complicated, man. <laughs> that was a lot. You're, you're off the tagline Listen to our writing. podcast. We, we've got some good content over there. Make good ears happy. We've got some iffy content as well, but if you sort through it, you'll find the good stuff. And join Don't us on Discord that. and talk to us. <laughs> So, um, 1D4Con 2022 is happening uh, March 4th through 6th. It's uh, going to be based on uh, Discord. They have a, I'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, uh, site where you can sign up for games. They have about 45 events on their schedule and uh, are definitely hoping to get more people in the door. They do yeah. a lot of uh, charity on theirs. The, all the bad sales go toward Extra Life. So, yep. uh, you could feel good Ooh. about getting involved too. I'm going to try and be around for what I can for that, but. Boy, I work hard that weekend. Yeah, you guys are getting ready for. I mean, That's things deep really into my taxis, and then really I need to work on business yeah. returns. I had intended to run some stuff for him, and I, I had a talk with James the other day. I kind of let him let him know some of it been going on, uh, which I haven't been talking about obviously on the shows because we haven't been on much. But uh, I, we got some family stuff going on. I got to deal with right now, and uh, that that weekend's not going to be a good weekend for me. So under the circumstances, I figured I, the best, the least I could do is make sure people know about it. Though it's a online convention opportunity with a, with a great group of people. And I uh, would definitely encourage everyone who listens to check it out, get involved in some gaming, some online gaming that weekend. And you can get information about that on our Discord because yep. 1D4Con oh, yeah. has a section. I actually just read that on our Discord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so make sure I have the dates right. But yeah, that's uh, it's coming up here pretty soon. Let's go to Sword. Where you can also learn game. about Expo Street. Yeah. News. I really have enjoyed doing the movie show. I um, I don't know how to promote it well because I I was doing the gamer stuff. We just do gamer stuff. We don't do movie stuff. You know, and and the movie thing is definitely a passion of ours. It's something we really have enjoyed getting involved in. We've been doing it for over a year now. And a lot of gamers like movies. Funny, that, especially so the funny. kind of movies no, that we do. We're doing especially the splendiferous geek movies that we do. I mean, we started with Willow, for goodness sake. Yeah, and that's and just did drawn. If if you like, um, that was me. That was all me. If if you like talking about movies with your friends, I think it's it's a really kind of fun conversation to get down on. 
we literally just take a, a different movie every week. We we every, everything we're doing is usually available on streaming. At least when um, we at least when we when we it. record it, right? So I mean, you go back and look, stuff that may not be on now, but it's uh, a lot of it probably still is. And we we pick a different movie every week. We we get together, we talk about it, uh, kind of break down the movie into its you know component pieces and discuss the the bits and pieces of it a little bit. Uh, talk about how it holds up and, you know, how we felt things, you know, you know talk about some trivia and so play some clips and, and, you know, enjoy some of the moments of the movie. Talk about the story, the things that interest us as gamers, of course, the things like story and character and things like that. And being and, gamers, you know, we all have opinions and like to talk about them. So there's some definitely of that do as that. well. So, and we're a pretty diverse, diverse group. It happens to be these five, you know, the five of us who is who are on that show every week. Isn't and that weird? we have a really <laughs> strange. It's like we were already here and ready to do a podcast, so mm, we just did another one. Funny how that works out. Mm. Uh, and, mm. and we try to we, we're trying to do it weekly. You know, obviously we have things in our lives that don't always make that as easy, but uh, we're we're definitely trying to get a weekly show in on that. So please check it out. You know, find find an episode that's a movie that you enjoy that you've already seen. I would always recommend that you've already seen the movie before you get into it right. because we will spoil the fuck out of it. It's, it's, it's definitely in a grand, view. extenuating detail. Yeah, yeah. That's, Please watch the movie before listening. I would love to get in a discussion on uh, Discord about any of the prior movies we watched with some fresh ideas. Definitely. Yeah, and that's the other thing is you can you can get into our um, our community group on Discord or threads there and discuss it. Uh, let us know what you think, or if you have thoughts, or if you disagree, if you agree, if you have anything to add you to can, the conversation. You can also suggest movies that you'd like to see us take on, and uh, we might just do that. Yeah, we're always we're always up for uh, new ideas. Or or just so. get on there and tell us, hey, could you talk more about gaming stuff on Mega Gamers instead of the movie stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Let Kinder Mage know he's not alone. Any feedback you have, because it's it's a newer show. Like I said, we've only been doing it for a year. We don't have the uh, the big it's listener base like we old. do with metagamers, so it's it's definitely something we want to figure out how to get it into you know get it in front of people, you know, get it in people's ear holes, and do it do it you know do us right, do it, you know, do us solid. That's, so that's hey, gaming, whatever, <laughs> um, legacy. Yeah, hasn't been. Uh, We've been doing some gaming lately, but there hasn't been a ton of it. The holidays kind of messed us up. And then coming out of the holidays, it just seemed like everybody got sick. Sorry. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. Everybody got sick. And we, I mean, it went around, right? So it's like, it, was, it wasn't. A couple of times. Yeah. yeah. And I not mean, the big cycles. sick. It was the second sick that just about wiped everybody out. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if, um, I mean, I don't know if any of us. Uh, did, did any COVID in that? I don't. I don't think anybody I had got any tested positive tests. Yeah, yeah, tested. I know negative. someone that got COVID about the same time, but well, yeah. and yeah, and wasn't uh, related. Some of our some of our other gamer friends that we we game with did, but uh, one of them anyway. But it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that really terrible. It was just very bad timing constantly. It was like, we we can't get together today because of like. So the one game that didn't really get compromised, interestingly enough, was the online game we have on Tuesday nights. Because, you know, you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> you don't have to breathe anybody's air. I missed a couple, but yeah, we did. Yeah, exactly. And and there is that. Not everybody made it to every <laughs> session. But we, as long as we have most everybody, we'll usually run a game. Worst case scenario, I can play on my laptop while still in bed. Yeah, or phone. Story. Phone. <laughs> Although Playing you, you need phone. to be able to get, if you can't, see, this particular game system needs all the maps and stuff. If you can't, if you can't pull up Roll20, you're, you're kind of limited in your ability to participate. That would be problematic at best. True. But so phone and a tablet. 
yeah, something that allows you to at least see that and get on uh, talking with everybody and get access your character sheets on D&D Beyond, which the app is pretty good now. They've uh, done great stuff to that app the last six months or oh so. Oh, my goodness, yes. So, but uh, that, that game has been pretty good. Now, I did find it interesting that uh, this session we had one of those moments that <laughs> I always kind of wonder about. See, I'm doing a 5e conversion of a first edition adventure. I'm working on the – I'm running the Desert of Desolation, which uh, – Conversions are always tricky anyway. You want to change out the way you put things together to make sure the challenges are appropriate, to make sure that they uh, still you know, fit the story if you have to change them up. There was one thing. The, char- the characters are like, what, fifth level? Is that about? I think. Yes, yes we are. Yes. Okay. So there was a point at um, recently in this last session where they get to a room and they're in the original adventure. There's a sphinx in the room. It's it's no. definitely. I mean, this is a desert adventure. It's a riddle of the sphinx situation. Right. Okay. In the original, in 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 first edition, and uh, to be honest, I haven't stopped and looked this up, but I was thinking in my head that I had a pretty. Good, I mean, it would have been a tough opponent if the party ends up fighting it. That would have been a tough opponent. <laughs> In 5th edition, the Andro Sphinx is a really tough opponent. They have, I mean, they're, again, without pulling it up in front of me and saying it with absolute positivity, their challenge rating is somewhere like 16 or 18 or something like that. They are not meant to be murder hoboed. This was not a challenge that the player characters were likely to survive if they took it toe-to-toe. And yet. But I made the decision not to remove it from play because I am one of those game masters who doesn't believe that everything that the player characters could fight necessarily has to be fought. And that's something that I think uh, drives some of my game design. I don't, I don't just put challenges out there that are commensurate with the ability of the party to handle them in a toe-to-toe knockdown drag out. Because that's not the way everything has you know has to be done necessarily. If there are other ways to deal with the challenge other than than fighting it, you know, sort of to beak or whatever, then you you don't necessarily have to put yourself in that situation. Now they did. These characters kind of did. Um, Kid's character kind of walked in the room first. The uh, Sphinx uh, greeted him, traded a couple pleasantries, offered him a riddle in exchange for answers about the place. And uh, the uh, character in question, you know, um, Kid obviously felt didn't necessarily have the right mindset to put together this answer. He's kind of a desert-themed sword saint sort of character. Not really intellectual. Pretty much Riddles, not not his thing. That's fair. Which is ironic because your previous character that you just lost a couple sessions ago was named Riddle. Riddle Wink. So uh, he asks a question and you got, you know, it's different than when you're at the table because if you're sitting at the table, everybody's sitting around a table, something like this happens and it immediately becomes a crosstalk situation. I mean, there's going to be some sort of random discussion. There's going to be recommend suggestions. It's going to be talk of some kind. When you're in an online group, a lot of times there's less of that because, you know, there, it gets confusing. Nobody knows who anybody's talking to, blah, blah, blah. In this situation, um, he didn't look to anybody else to group think the problem or anything because he felt his character wouldn't necessarily have the answer. Anybody else probably could have said or done anything. And you had a, a couple players sitting there trying to work out an answer in their head. And um, at the moment, which I think Richard was about to start trying to f- – Trying to present an answer, uh, Jason's uh, kid's character, uh, Nabadi Yawadoki, uh, looks at the Sphinx and says, The answer is, I do not know the answer. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> like, Ooh, uh. Yeah. Ooh, uh. 
Um, the Sphinx offered a phone a friend option, and he refused it. And then uh, uh, should have given me the fifty fifty. Yeah, the fifty fifty would have been nice, right? <laughs> kind of did actually. The riddle was kind of <laughs> it, it. Literally was a fifty fifty riddle. Um, but he so the Sphinx attacks. Now I'm sitting here in my head thinking, okay, how many ways are there to handle this? I mean. I could determine that the Sphinx is going to attack and just do his thing because he has now been given the opportunity because they did not solve his riddle. So, you know, so be it. But he did technically, while Nabidi Abad al-Keen was hesitating, say if any of your friends would like to make the same deal, because, of course, if they lose, then he gets to eat them. If any of your friends would like to make the same deal, they're welcome to try as well. So once somebody else came up with a answer that was correct, it seemed appropriate that the Sphinx would stop his attack, assuming that he hadn't been badly hurt or something at that point. You know, that it was a, a plausible direction. And so that's kind of the way things down. But it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting to happen when things started to fall apart, because the first character that was in the way... Uh, between uh, Kid's character and the Sphinx was kind of, was the tank of the party. and He kind of got just casually knocked down with two hits on the way by. You know, eh, just give it a couple of pause here, just a bang, bang. You know, okay, you're out of hit points, you're down. And uh, then press the attack. So the options become fight or what? Well, flight technically, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, that riddle you can riddle. solve. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> then it becomes, well, you know, I don't know. It becomes a question as a game master of wondering whether or not your players are going to make the decision in character to try and get away from the bad guy, which you guys... I would have definitely done the run. Right, now, um, <laughs> in this case, Phoenix makes an excellent leader. Um, <laughs> Vanessa, <laughs> Vanessa's character is definitely all about the not getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, Indeed. Her, her battle cry is repeat, retreat. Retreat. No, my battle cry is, save me! Uh, But it would have been... I literally once played a mage with one hit point, and I think he was bolder than Phoenix is when it comes to combat. Phoenix doesn't refer to us as the party. She refers to us as the fodder. I know very well that the mage you're talking about was an original Dungeons & Dragons (laughs) magic user with one hit point, and he died very quickly. No, no, actually, he did not. He was the sole survivor of his party. Oh, that's right. He was the one who survived in the the dragon fight. Yes. That's right. Twice. His entire party got wiped out. Everybody else died. Twice. That's right. (laughs) Name him Lucky. Um, But yeah, so that would have been the thing I was wondering at the time. I was sitting there wondering, are they going to, I mean, there's always the chance that somebody would blurt out an answer. Of course, that was the right answer. Uh, and, and Richard was working on it. He was wa- he was talking his way through him. You know, I'm like, playing an eloquence bard. If I wasn't <laughs> talking my way through the puzzle and trying to solve it, I would not have been playing wrong. my character. Right. <laughs> not <That's> fair. <laughs> and uh, Nira happened to be the one, the first one who kind of popped off the right answer. Because I went the wrong direction. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know for a moment that she even had to stop and think about it. Is this what my character would, I mean, does this make sense? On but, the other hand, we were about to die. But Octavia. <laughs> but Octavia, her intelligence is actually one of her highest stats. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, she, she decided has, roll with it. She has pretty consistently been the tactical thinker for our team. So it, it very well fit. So I, so it turned out okay in that regard. I, I mean, it was funny because I, I had the Sphinx suddenly kind of stop, sit down, and, and that is correct. <laughs> then look down at uh, Ken's uh, dying character on the forces. May I have him anyway? <laughs> kind of need him. Yeah. But and then I cast a bonus <laughs> healing word. And then Octavia, I think, asked a, asked a dumb question for the uh, reward that she got. I don't remember. Yes, it was a precise one. That anyway, is exactly yes. 
That is exactly what happened. But until that moment, what I was sitting there was thinking was... Which direction? Are they going to press the attack? Because your players don't necessarily know how in over their head they are without analyzing what happens during a fight, unless your players happen to know the challenge rating of an Androsphinx going into it. Although when you see a Sphinx going over somebody's head slapping at them a couple of times and they drop dead and they're one of the strongest people you know kind of gives you an idea where the fight's going or are they the kind of are they the kind of players who are going to choose to pursue the combat or are they the kind of players they're going to choose to escape phoenix is a chicken shit she'll talk her way out of it well she would run or her leave. way out of it yeah yeah because yeah, she was also the furthest from the danger yeah. exactly she She's always, always the furthest is. from the danger. I was say, that's her aspect and fate. I've noticed him. Yeah. yeah. Brick would have drawn his sword and attack. Right. Would he have pressed the attack if he realized quickly that he was way over his head? After the last time that he he's been through that entire drop, too. Yeah. I'm remembering the tank scene. <laughs> Pressing the hill, charging the tanks. He absolutely would have gone up against impossible odds. Especially yeah. if he thought a friend Especially was in danger. Especially if he thought a friend was in danger, and the only way through this is to stop. Now, interesting the, enough, that was a learned behavior for him. Right. Because early in his uh, adventuring career. He was a coward. He was not that guy. And lost friends the hard way. Almost lost Almost, friends. yeah. And yeah. then he devoted to always making sure that he pressed forward and did not drop. And he's a brick house. He was a hell of a tank. He's mighty, Definitely mighty. good at it. So... I think that's interesting right there, that whole, um, I don't know. There are, I know that there are uh, game masters who hesitate to utilize challenges that are basically not combat solvent challenges. You know, not to say that you couldn't have player characters roll extremely lucky and monsters roll extremely badly, but when the odds lay way heavily in favor of the bad guy in a in an all-out conflict, you know, but then again, you will, there sometimes you're going to have player characters that are going to jump right into the fray, and if they all did what Brick did, or worse yet, with some parties, if Brick did it, everybody else would decide, well, we can't abandon Brick. <laughs> and then get everybody it's like killed. he was sacrificing himself to give you all a chance to escape. So you're all going to sacrifice you yourself <laughs> to try and save him from his sacrifice, thereby invalidating it. Way to go, dumbasses. What he was really doing was kill stealing the Balrog. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Worst movie ending ever. So Wait, what? Uh, it was fun though. <laughs> Everybody died. Well, yeah. How is that the worst movie ending ever? Some of my favorite movies end that way. Name one. Uh, Hamlet. (laughs) I don't think that's one of his favorite movies. (laughs) Just, just, just a hunch. Huh? Not, not a fan of iambic pentameter. Well, I used to be, but then I used to be able to drop iambic pentameter just off the top of my head like that. So I I can't really do that anymore. Ouch. Okay. It's very disappointing. I actually had an NPC uh, that I absolutely loved and my players absolutely hated. Naturally. Uh, Laughing Boy Jack. Yes, I've heard of him. Well, her, actually. Yes, I've heard of her. And Uh she, she only spoke in rhyming couplets. And so I would prepare a few that I knew I was going to need beforehand, but I had to be able to improv that shit just yeah. to, you know, and man, can, that shit was challenging. I could do if couplets. done right, it was, it was so worth it. But I can't do iambic pentameter specifically, but I could definitely, I've done a character, did rhyming couplets before. Simple rhyming prose honestly isn't as hard as you'd expect it to be, I think, typically off the top of your head. 
there's something intimidating about the idea of trying to maintain that. But once there's, you get into a rhythm, anybody want a peanut? And there's really you don't a, have to be physic to do it. I was gonna say there's really a, a skill to it, and it's just like any other skill. You do it, you practice it, you get good at it. You know, yeah. there are some words that have like fifty rhyme, fifty words that rhyme with them, and you just kind of build up a mental inventory of those words yeah. and how they're used, and you can just slap it together. Which is when my character starts but, using orange at the end of every sentence just to mess you up. Yeah, no. Uh, but iambic <laughs> pentameter is a very special. It's very specific because yes. it is encoded into. A it's just like pattern. trying to play a character who phrases everything they say in the form of uh, a haiku. That's just oh hard. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of counting. <laughs> yes, not as much as uh, limericks. Well, the, the iambic is limericks the, are relatively easy. The iambic is the is that the da 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 right da 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 da. It has to have both the so, rhythm and the rhyme. Yeah qualify for the low high low high low high and yeah. it's five of those makes sense that's the name kind of challenging <laughs> um i uh, I, I think interesting speech patterns are well i mean you don't see a lot of people obviously try to go too crazy with that stuff because you then have to keep it up all the time exactly which but, is why I would never do that for a player character. For an NPC, oh God, no. where I can control when they're on the stage, that's something else entirely. Oh, well, that's true. that's a good point. That's a good point. But I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm, I guess I'm. I'm sure I've had um, annoying NPCs who had vocal tics that made them that way. But I, I can't think of examples off the top of my head. I can't remember the specific. I remember there was an NPC in one of your games who had a stutter that was really irritating. <laughs> I had a character that had a laugh that made other players want to kill him. And and yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and it, then, it, it was adjacent to the SpongeBob laugh, and it was oh awful. Lord. He definitely yeah, had I, the goat boy feel. I think I would have killed you over that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, bright lady. No, fired. And Kept I, happening. I infamously played a monk with a speech impediment once. That was yes. the worst idea I yes. ever had. No, the, the worst. I Okay. Jason had a tongue-tied character that had had a weird speech impediment and a, weird, and a way of talking. And his character, you know, we'd sit here and he'd go through things trying to explain us sometimes. And I had a, I had this flighty. Uh, she, she was a sky dancer. I don't know what type of oh class. Oh my god, that, is, that character was so annoying. She was, she was a little flighty, a lot ADD, and all over the place. And one time, she just got so tired of waiting for him, and she turned around and threw his stutter right back at him. I felt horrible as a player for doing that, but it was it was crazy. I don't remember that particular action, but I do. Uh yeah. I remember that yeah, very specifically. It was something very that you hurtful. It, it, I it felt hurt. so bad. But I, I, I understood that it was in character later, but at the moment it was just like Why are you oh. picking up my <laughs> stutter? Because you take it personally in character. And yeah. it was a very memorable part of your character. You played it very well. You did play that character. And my really character well. crossed that line. And I think internally she was a little bit hurt. On the other hand, she kind of justified herself because she was getting tired of waiting for your answer. That game was fun. That, that game uh, was fun. That, there, there was some. Um, Before I put the rocks in my eye holes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you weren't allowed to have Never the rocks anymore. Put magic rocks in your eye sockets. Yeah, Mr. Addicted was, to Magic. Oh, yeah. He not only had a <laughs> vocal disturbing. tick, not specifically a stutter, but a vocal tick, he also was blind. Right. But kind he had of. An, but he had an owl who had a very interesting role in the party. So. Yeah. 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 He could do the Beastmaster thing. We, we should review Beastmaster. That's all I'm saying. Pretty sure it's on the list. It is should on be. the list. It's hard to catch streaming, though. That's fair. I liked having Eric as my talking NPC owl. 
I enjoyed that. That I, owl. I, I enjoyed those kinds of opportunities, those, though. Those were those were strong characters too. Jonica so. played a character in that party who, instead of having an odd vocal tick, had no concept of personal space. No, no and concept of personal space at all. No, no. no. And that character, the when, when when he talked to people, he would get right up nose to nose. It was it was <laughs> snoot to snoot. It was Jonica Tooney <laughs> level where the one cartoon is leaned back and she's leaned forward and their noses are touching. Yeah, and and I don't know of any other player at the table who could have gotten away with that. Because I think she basically <laughs> did it at the table. Yeah, she, she did. She did do it at the table. The first times, the first times it was John. Uh, yeah, the, the, she, she, yeah, and she, she was right leaned over face. me, and Snoop. I was just like, she's like, Snoop. she's right over the table, you know, practically crawling on the table, you know, face right, right in his face, and John's just got his <laughs> eyes wide and kind of, and you could see his character in exactly that pose, you know, it's like, there's, yeah. Because he was playing a cat character and she was playing a fox character. Yeah, uh, it was a cartoon. Are you sure we weren't? Was she, was that series a cartoon? Uh, it was uh, one was of it, the animated. Was it uh, animated? Episodes. There was a I lot of it, violence. It, it was pre-CGI was. <laughs> though, right? Uh, well, not in our table. Oh, my God, that's right. But we'd have to go to Jason for the footage. I'm not sure. It was definitely animated in my head. Okay. okay. Still hand-roll? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's fair. Japanese anime. I mean, the background yeah. rolled. The background rolled and repeated a lot. But, you know, you got to save money where you can. That's Scooby-Doo. Come on, man. And Flintstones. Think weathering with you. Weathering with you. Oh, that's a pretty movie. I it was beautiful. It looked like a pretty movie. I never saw it. It is beautiful. You totally should. I think I own it if you want to borrow it. You own the movie? Yes. Own the movie? You own a copy of the movie? Yeah, she owns the movie. Um, the so movie. what format do you loan movies in now? Blu-ray? I don't remember if that one's DVD or Blu-ray. I think it's Blu-ray. And um, does my Xbox play Blu-rays? Yes. Okay. Because I have no clue anymore. Well. <laughs> I was okay, so get this. I I'm an Uber driver, right? And um, I sometimes I'll have my music playing um, from like one of my previous because I'm working on an album right now, so I'm trying to kind of refresh myself with stuff that we've done before for tonal similarities and such. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes between rides, uh, I'll pick somebody up, and a lot of times I turn the music way down, just kind of have ambient noise in the background. So I'll play a radio station or I'll play that or whatever it doesn't matter uh, if somebody's in the car. And this guy gets in the car. He's talking to his kids, talking to me. And he says something about the music. I turn up a little bit. Here. And uh, he uh, turns out he was a guitar player, just getting back into playing the guitar, sat down a number of years and was, you know, wanting to get in on it. And, and we were talking a little bit. And I, th- I was like, at the end of the conversation, at the end of the ride, and I've done this sort of shit before, I was like, well, here, check this out. And I pull the CD out of the player and I put it in its case and I hand it to him. He says, you give it to me? I said, yeah. And he says, dude, I'll go ahead and put this in my PlayStation and check it out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Nobody uses CDs anymore. What the right. fuck am I doing? Right. I because I don't have a game console. Like, okay, go to Spotify. <laughs> I don't have a game console. I had to buy an external DVD player so I could play CDs and DVDs and rip them into my computer because everything I do is digital. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't even think about stuff like that anymore. It's, it's like, funny because I'm working on the next album. This will probably be the first actual album I've done where I don't even bother making uh, physical copy. copies of it. Yeah, when it's be completely digitally. Distributed. When we moved last, yeah. I got rid of. All my physical media. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Have I, 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 I'd been holding. I, I had this one little box of all the CDs that I just loved and couldn't possibly live without, including and I'm sure I, a copy of mine. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Which has now been trashed. I have yours digital. No, actually, it sold for a quarter. Oh. <laughs> all of my CDs sold. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all of my CDs sold. I have a copy of yours on my Amazon Music account. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I uh, got rid of everything because yeah. I'd, I'd been struggling, but it's like 
I haven't, I didn't touch that box of CDs for two, three years from the time I moved into the house to the time I moved out of it. I never touched it. Well, I I'm like, I'm done. I, I inadvertently did that when done with back in, in 2014 uh, when we moved to the place we're in now because we'd left a lot of stuff at the other house because we were moving slowly, you know, because uh, our friend Kevin's still in the house. And the house got robbed. And so all that stuff disappeared anyway. So, I mean, we inadvertently got rid of all that media. I haven't missed it. You know? Yeah. I mean, other than some movies that I've collected on Blu-ray over the years uh, that I still have at the house, there's all nothing, almost nothing in a physical media anymore. And, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up in a collector's environment. My, I, I had, I was in radio for, like, 15 years. I had a massive CD collection at one point. You know, and I just, and just stupid numbers of books. And, I mean, I read everything on Kindle now and, you know, e-readers, you know. I just, I just, it's not the same. It's, I don't, I don't feel this powerful need to collect shit anymore either. I need to talk to Justin about getting rid of some of his CDs because we yeah. have a full CD rack in the home office that I don't know when the last time he even looked at it was. Yeah. Right. Just don't well, need most. And of the best thing about collecting memories instead of collecting physical things is that memories are the things you take with you when you die. <laughs> Spoken like someone who's able to keep his memories. What? But he's right. What are we talking about? I can't they, remember. They go when you die. They don't stick around <laughs> you, you don't pass them on to anybody else. You have it's memories like that last you longer can't than take five seconds? You, but your memories, they're Speaking gone. Speaking of making memories. So um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh, rewards, rewards beyond you know just uh, gold and, and uh, things like that. Because there's um, there's always room in creating uh, adventure material to offer rewards that are tied into the setting, to the character's um, uh, place in the world, or to the character's um, of options and you know what they do in the world, their role in society. Um, if you look, there's I think there's a section in the fifth edition DMs guide that talks about it for D and D is about um, you know rewards like um, titles and land, you know things like that, or or magical boons, which we've seen done before. There's a lot of stuff there. But one of the more interesting things, I think, is one of the more interesting questions, I think, is what your character's role in their world, uh, wh- what about your character's role in the world leaves any sort of lasting impression or creates any sort of momentum moving forward? Um, and I, I could think of, I mean, honestly, I could think of a ton of examples from characters over the years, but not like it's, it's not like a periphery from any given campaign. Sometimes you'll have campaigns where characters get really involved on the world stage in some fashion, especially if they get to high level. And then it's more common for that sort of thing. But even at lower levels, you can provide as a game master, you can provide opportunities for characters to have some sort of impact or to gain something that's less material, you know? Um, and so I, I was curious, you know, what uh, our thoughts on that is, what kind of things people might be able to aspire to if you're if you're building a character, um, obviously if you're running a game too, but if you're building a character and you want to have them realize something beyond themselves, what kind of goals would you th- would you think would find? Uh, most interesting or what kind of opportunities people might not usually think of. Uh, one of the more interesting things for me, and, and I, I have run a couple games where players, characters have gotten lands and titles, you know, as, as a consequence of just being involved with the political, you know, uh, figures in the realm or something. But uh, one of the interesting ones for me is like in a, a Savage Worlds game or in a sci-fi Savage Worlds game I ran where the player character is actually it was actually a horror game, so you wouldn't expect the really the impact on the setting to be what was really important. But the characters not only did their involvement with NPCs in a given area end up usually being uh, kind of dramatic in the impact it had, because since it was a horror game, 
they had they tended to have this bad supernatural thing that kept kind of following them. So whenever they brought it to a new space station, that space station wreaked the whirlwind. But also um, the the acquisition of ships, you know, the uh, reputation as a crew, uh, it opened different job opportunities for them. Um, the uh, the the goal of outright owning the ship that they started with, because the character started as kind of a, a scavenger um, crew that actually you know leased their vessel and you know were were paying for it with a share of their goods and whatnot. It's it's just kind of like uh, that. That was kind of a cool way to kind of follow that around a little bit and. And sometimes character backstory can bleed into that a lot. Like in that particular game, Nira had a character who had a, a backstory on the streets and the gangs of this given planet. At some point in the campaign, I ended up taking him to that world and she got to get involved in some of the, the <laughs> threads of that backstory that she left behind. And when they left, they had dynamically shifted the balance of power in that city and on that planet. Uh, not intentionally necessarily. It's just kind of the way things panned out. But it was still uh, something that I could have gone back to and used later. Oh, yeah. Well, they might have been recognized for, you know, and then there was a certain amount of that anyway, because anytime you're in an area where people are um, representatives of, of government agencies or agencies of power and they recognize PCs from somewhere, that's a type of legacy in and of itself. You know, when you run afoul of the uh, uh, the men for the, the guards from the Citadel, the one who looks at you and goes, you know, wait a minute, you're the ones that saved that villager who turned out to be my cousin, you know, in that village 13 levels ago in that little town, you know, <laughs> on the other side of the kingdom. But um, you have heard of me. But you have heard of me. <laughs> I was just remembering a story like that that was a far more negative connotance uh-huh. because we had a city in a game that I played in probably a decade ago at this point. And the city got attacked from, like, all sides. Multiple parties, multiple factors, and my entire group just went nope and left town. (laughs) (laughs) That's who they were known as, the ones who left? Yeah, we we literally were, we came back at one point, and one of the military factions went, you were the ones that abandoned us! And we were just like, (laughs) sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, you know, that's right. The summer of Aunt Six, we noped out of here. That was exactly what happened. I remember that. (laughs) Yep. If you don't mind, we're going to do that again right now. (laughs) So how's it been uh, since we left? (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. But you lived. We did survive, which is more than a lot of the city can say. I'm saying to to the guard, the guard that says, you're the ones that abandoned us. And but you, you, were, you did great. Yeah, you did fine without us. I don't know why you're so bad. We knew you had this. It's like, no, didn't no. didn't want to kill Steel. I was hired in. They have pictures of you on Wanted posters still up to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Like, we were only in town because we were trying to, like, case a warehouse for looking for stolen goods. And while we're looking for the stolen goods, the town gets attacked. And we're just like, nope, our goods aren't that important. <laughs> <laughs> if... The uh, thieves. Father, the forbidden one has returned. (laughs) (laughs) If the thieves survived, we'll come back and deal with them later. Exactly. (laughs) If they did not, we'll come back and collect our goods. Like we had werewolves attacking from one point, giants attacking from another one. We didn't need them that badly, anyways. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, no werewolves or giants. I'll nope out of there when it's both. Just giant be werewolves? happy it wasn't giant werewolves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, I think wow. it was zombie werewolves. Actually, it was oh, crazy. My, I was going to say were giants, but that doesn't. Wouldn't that mean a like a person that turns into a giant? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's that's what oh, a giant is. God, okay. Attack of the fifty foot woman, <laughs> but, but only in the full moon. There's. <laughs> 
There's a kink I, for I that. I think there's an anime for that. Yeah, that's it's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. Body morphing. Uh, I think there's an anime for that. Is actually kind of a true statement about a lot of really weird. Attack on Titan has That's exactly what I was thinking. There is a rule 34 on anime. There's a rule 34 on everything. There's a rule 34 on rule 34. I know. I've seen it. Oh, God. What? Do we have to go this (laughs) direction? No. (laughs) Sorry. Please don't Google that. (laughs) Um, And if you already did, we're not sorry. Anyways, gaming legacies. (laughs) I think uh, a classic example in uh, D&D particularly is the whole um, characters advance to a certain point and they establish uh, a keep or a guild or a church or, you know, they or they, right? they buy an inn. You know, they do something written that, in the original books. Yeah, right? In the, in the, in the first the edition of supplement. Ah, yes. It was called Name Level. I remember that. Yeah. Nine. Ninth Level. Ninth level. Use your name level. They, uh, the uh, idea that when characters achieved a certain level of notoriety, they would uh, have the potential impact on the world kind of autonomically. Was kind of what they were shooting for. But obviously, uh, today's gamers were likely to see these things either done intentionally or not. Yeah, and, and as a game master, you can create those opportunities, obviously, as well. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I've hit ninth level. I think it's time for me to find some followers and build a keep. <laughs> but it can be with it getting to a certain point in the story or in the, in the campaign that you as a game master can... Yeah have people start flocking to and following them around and maybe even have a possibility of gaining a castle or something fall into the lap. You've got that, example. You've got that uh, magistrate following you around. Oh, man, you're like 13th level already. When are you going to settle down and build a keep? <laughs> when are you going to settle down and, you know, become a lord or something? What is this Mom, 13th quit asking. level you speak of? <laughs> very meta, very, very meta. I think... Uh, what would be great though is to have you know, have that that moment when your heroes come to town and the uh, the local uh, like village council and stuff has a couple guys that start kind of following them around trying to talk them into settling here. You know, there's a castle that these one lord started to build on the edge of town about 15 years ago, and nobody's there now. It could really use some finishing, and you know, we really could use a little help with a whole kind of. Humanoid population, you haven't entirely managed to take the care of. Yeah, this, we'll, uh, the we'll were give you a tax break. <laughs> 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 yeah. We'll give you, in fact, we'll siphon some of the town's taxes to you. Even better. We'll give you a tax rebate. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah, oh, what, lords in name only. You know, it's like we're, we're just people that hang out here and, and you know, soak up the notoriety we of the knows. town, but don't actually uh, don't actually do anything useful, don't actually have holdings. You know, adventures that are just kind of notorious because they are notorious. But I can't, I can't tell you how many campaigns I've started where we literally built a guild hall to specifically run out of. And then, you know, like classic Star Trek, the people who should have been on the ship taking care of the ship were always the ones down on the... Away you know, team. ground doing the away team stuff. One of the things they did that's really cool in Level Up is the destinies. When yes. you build a character in the Advanced 5e stuff for Level Up uh, by Ian Publishing, when you build a character in this, you you make similar decisions when you're starting a regular D&D character from 5th edition. You uh, Instead of a race, they have that divided up into like, heritage and culture, which can you know be uh, a way to kind of make a more complicated combination of... Um, Background influences from their from their race, their species, their heritage, what have you, and the the kind of the area, the environment they grew up in. If but, you like me have been bitching for years that D and D wouldn't let you play a half orc, half elf, you now can. This is your thing. 
Well, yeah, and and, and a lot of other I'm ways. I'm not terrified that, of what you're going to come up with. You should be. <laughs> there's a lot of ways to interpret <gasps> the different options, you know, and and use them to a minocentaur. Uh, oh, Richard. Okay, so the. A minute her body on a centaur. It really hurts. But <laughs> on a centaur's body. What? I want to get that <laughs> image out of my head. I um I want to get that description out of my head. <laughs> and then you check you you pick a, a class. Into my car. A, cla- a class. <laughs> Sorry. Man. We spent too long in the eighties. A uh, class, a background, I and a I literally destiny. And a destiny is kind of a abstract distinction regarding what you want to see develop with your character as they move forward. They're kind of meta-future sort of. That, that right. explains Stargate Universe. <laughs> Which got canceled after two seasons. Maybe this isn't a good <laughs> idea. Sigh. But in, in my estimation, it was pretty good until then. A lot of people didn't agree with me. The the thing with the um, destinies is, and at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, they only got like seven or eight or something in the book. I'm like, this isn't going to be comprehensive. And we'll have to invent some. Turns out it's pretty comprehensive because pretty they comprehensive. are abstract enough to cover a lot of ground. And it's neat. It's a really cool way to sort of reward characters for for building towards some sort of um, destined end, some sort of a right. uh, place and role in the world. They and even, so they even had kind of a catch-all, uh, the hero's journey sort of thing, where it lets you kind of delay the decision on what sort of destiny they're aiming towards mm-hmm. until you have a better feel for your character. I thought that was pretty cool. And then the power that that one gave you was the ability to switch up for a new destiny. Yeah. When it's, when it shook when it's out. thematically appropriate. appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. So, I mean, there's some uh, there's an example of how a tool can help you kind of get there. But I, I really feel like there's um, something to be uh, gained from in, inviting characters to more thoroughly connect to your game world, inviting your players, if you're a game master, to more thoroughly engaging with the setting and uh, making it making themselves a part of it because that's a way to really bring people into the game and, and make them feel more connected and more uh, committed to um, long-term play in that arena and then and, and doing something cool with it, doing something fun with it, making sure that characters are more than just uh, the murder hobos that wander around and gather some, some treasure, go uh, spin it in the taverns. And- but my destiny is murder hobo. Well, some people just need to murder hobo, I guess. It's not really glory, an indictment glory. or anything. Uh, disclaimer, murder hobo is technically not a destiny, but you do you. It's also not politically correct, just saying. Well, that's true. That's true. Oh. Not every hobo you meet is going to murder you. Just most of them. Is it murder Is it murder transient? Is that what it should be? Or? <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit closer to correct, yes. But then again, not all D&D characters are homeless. That's true. Also, so another way what, to tie yourself into the setting. <laughs> murder homeowner. Murder homeowners, yes. I think we had that conversation because yes. Um, uh, yes. James. We had fun. Yeah. <laughs> because James. James's character is a murder so, homeowner. Why, why, <laughs> I'm not a hobo. That's true. <laughs> so you're a murder homeowner. Um, so, you know, just, uh, some food for thought. If you have any experiences like this, uh, with, within your own campaign, uh, backstory, definitely let us know. You can drop us a line at feedback at prismatic That's feedback at prismatic 
and I was just going to throw this out there on that vein. Mm -hmm. If you are one of those exceedingly rare gamers who likes to talk about their character, we really, really do get a kick out of reading cool stories and backgrounds. Yes, you do. From There's a gaming other story players. section on the so, Discord. Yeah. By yeah. all means, put your stuff there and we'll uh, <laughs> probably read it. Might even comment. You know? We even have an official reader for the podcast and I would love to get her back here to read stories to us. <laughs> that would be cool. Stories to us. Because nobody sends us stories, so she never shows up. Haven't pried her out of the house in a while. Time to get her into the studio again. That'd be fun. Send stories. Make it happen. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, feel free to join our Discord. You'll find the link in the show notes, of course, to all that. And um, we're, we're we're committed to try and, uh, you know, remain as um, engaging as possible. So, unless it's something that really, really we don't want to talk about, <laughs> it'll probably it make us one of the show. might be better to phrase that as engaging as probable as probable as possible, just say. That's fair. That's fair. But if you send it to me, especially if you email it to me, I'll be sure to try and talk about it at least, you know, and probably read your letter on the air. So, uh, yeah, please do that. The more you engage, the more we engage back. Uh, anybody got anything else? Get out of here? Uh, Somtees.shop. Get done. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, I think I'm doing. <laughs> we had to re- we had to redo pricing. I had to I had to go through and and reprice everything because everything's changing. Because all the prices on inventory, uh, on the supply chain, everything is just just cranked. Right, right. You know, and I I Imagine. did what I could. You know, Johnica, I just kind of sat on our pricing for the longest time. You guys like, keep your margins then to begin with. To be yeah, fair, your yeah, prices we, are really good. There's so a point at which got to adjust when it comes up. A point at which we just couldn't afford not to. But yeah. I, I think I found Literally. some clever ways to get around just kind of jacking the price up everywhere, and we've changed kind of the way we're offering uh, our product too. So find ways to kind of add a little right. bit more value on the just product. another so kind of disappointing. I don't want to longer get kisses on delivery. Uh, well, or is that just me? In the pandemic, we had to kind of, you know, moderate the whole kiss on delivery format a little. I, it's been a while since I've ordered. I apologize. I should do that this weekend. I, I guarantee you, Jackson <laughs> will still be happy to give you kisses on delivery. <laughs> yeah. He That's will probably true. give you a free a COVID test too, just right up the nose. Yeah. He's, he's a big fan of testing tongue, for COVID. Oh my God. It's prehensile. It's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everybody knows, they're talking about a very small dog. <laughs> Puppy. With a very, long very long tongue. He's barely yes. over six months old. With a ridiculously prehensile long tongue. Yes. Well, we're going to get on some gaming stuff then. I think uh, we're going to go to our own gaming and let, let everybody listening kind of level up. Deal. Lords of Waterdeep. Um, we'll have to talk about that. I'd like to, wouldn't, wouldn't mind that either. Uh, mm. Kids never gotten to play. I, I've never gotten to play that game. Yeah. But my copy's in storage. Weird, because... I, <laughs> my copy's not together. I've, yeah. I've read a lot of... Oh. So, I didn't think about that when I mentioned it last night. To level up. Okay. okay. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here then. Thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, episode number 272 of Medicaid vs. Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And I am the adjacent kid. You know, the adjacent kid. Bye. Bye. Bye.